once again, it's time for the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. Welcome to Season 2 of the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. I'd like to start by saying for both Tank and I how grateful we are of the response we got to season one. Uh, your comments, your likes, um, just meeting people um, in person and having them just say kind words to us about the show. It really, it means the world to us. We started this, I think Tank, you said, if you, we got five people to listen, we'd be we'd be ha- happy about that. Yeah, I I mean, it, it's, it's so cliche, but regardless of the amount of work that goes into it, you know, when I say if one person listens, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean it. And uh, the fact that there's more than one. Yeah, definitely um, more than one. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we're, we're doing better than we thought. And um, and we can't say enough how much it means that you're listening to this right now, that you're taking time out of your day and giving us a shot, giving us a listen. And um, it means a lot. So aside from numbers and everything else and uh, all the metrics that go along with it, we just truly appreciate that uh, if you can hear this, you're taking the time to listen to us. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks to everybody who's, who's been yeah. following us, and uh, we really appreciate it. We hope we uh, keep up uh, keep up your excitement with season two. We've got a lot of really great stuff planned, uh, starting with our first episode, which we'll get to in a second. Um, that being said, if we could ask a little favor <laughs> while we're at it, uh, which would be to um, continue your, your support. And you can do that through, obviously, listening to the episodes. We hope you really enjoy them and you continue to enjoy them. Um, following us on social media, we are Extended Play Pod. Um, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on YouTube. Our Twitter handle is ExtendedPod. We have a website. Uh, it's ExtendedPlayPod.com, and that has everything. So you can find links to all our socials and stuff there. It's also got, you can listen to all of the episodes. Um, you can check out playlists. Every time we make an episode and we mention a song, we put that on a playlist on Spotify and YouTube for you to listen to. Um, so please check that out. But most of all, just uh we hope you continue listening, and we're really excited to get started with Season 2. And with no further ado, uh, the to- topic for Season 2, Episode 1, is country. Country music, that is. As you can imagine, we have some thoughts. We have things to say. Yeah. And um, that is, uh, we're going we're gonna to be honest. We're not even going to try to be impartial. Uh, I-, I think that the approach that uh, myself and my esteemed co-host here have towards the genre uh, can maybe best be summed up by former WWE champ Kofi Kingston. It so sucks, okay? So, so, and so this bad. is, honestly, hey, hey, this is me saying this, not my character. Country music sucks! We're not you're right. It's so you're bad. right. You're right. You're so right. So, <laughs> so I mean, that, that's, so there, there's a bunch of disclaimers that we need to, yeah, for sure. to put on this. Um, that's one of them. And that we're not even going to try to come off as uh playing both sides of this it's that we we have an opinion it is what it is we try not to make this what the podcast is about right and and we should also say that particularly when it comes to modern country radio right yes yeah we'll be putting a much finer point on this later but we're, we're speaking of basically the things that are topping the country charts today yeah um and and again this is not something we like to do, which is to be negative. There's enough negativity in the world for sure, but it is a, it's a genre of music. It's a big genre of music. We're going to have to address it eventually. It's, yeah. the, it's the elephant in the room. So we're going to do it here. But unlike the, the little clip there, we're not just 
going to say for an hour or so, it sucks over and over and over <laughs> right, again. Right. We're going to say it a few times. Yeah. Um, but the point is to look at it a little bit uh, more closely with a little bit more weight to it than just it sucks. Well, yeah, we want to examine why we feel that way, right? That's that's why we that's why Tank and I sit down every time to do this is we want to figure out what why is it we feel this way. It, it seems odd that we would have such um, animosity. That's not the right word, but well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that much animosity towards an entire genre. Um, and again, we will break it down. It's not that simple. It's not the entire genre, um, right? That that's the idea is to like everything else we talk about. Uh, take a relatively simple topic where we have a relatively simple answer, but look at why that is. And with any luck, maybe you, the listener, will think about why you like it or don't like it. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, here's some of the things we talk about, and maybe you'll like country music more or like it less. And, you know, just maybe do your own reflection on what it is that you find value in, in, in that genre of music. One other caveat we need to get out there is I don't think it's a big secret um, that both E and I are left-leaning people when it comes to our politics. Mm-hmm. We like to leave politics out of the show. We like to make it apolitical because, again, everyone gets enough of that shit all day. Um, and we try to be as apolitical as possible. Absolutely. How, however, in, in having an honest evaluation and discussion of country music and the sociological ties it has to American culture, it is impossible to be agnostic about politics when talking about it. Uh, I won't even hear an argument that that is not true. All this, you know, red, white, and blue bullshit that gets tied to it and, you know, fucking Toby Keith, 9-11. So it's impossible to avoid. So yeah. fair warning, this discussion will get political at points. Mm-hmm. And um, But also we'd like to reassure you that's not where this podcast is going. It's not going right. to become a political podcast. This will be kind of an anomaly in how much it comes up and how often we talk about it. But um, just putting it out there. Don't hate us if you don't agree. Yeah. Um, but we got to be honest. Otherwise, what's the point? And um, we can promise you we will not harp on political points over and over again uh, after this episode. Absolutely. And I should also add that, honestly, as Tank and I talked about this in preparation, in my opinion, and I think in his too, right, um, this isn't really a political topic. It's uh, it's all about empathy. And having empathy um, shouldn't be political. And, but into, I think in today's world, if you, if you listen to the news, watch the news, it's become a thing where if you care about people other than yourself, it's, it, it, it's fucking woke. Yeah. It's political. Which is, right. okay. So it starts here. Okay. <laughs> it's, we're to the point now that common decency and consideration for your fellow American citizens is considered woke. And that is a perjurative term. Right. So the bullshit starts there. Yeah. Um, and Again, it's sad that it's political because it should be. We're not talking about macroeconomics. We're not talking about Supreme Court precedent. Right. We're just talking about equality. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that's political in today's climate. Yeah. So this will all make more sense once we get into the history, the present, and the future of country music as we see it. Yep. So based on all the aforementioned factors with uh, all the complexities involved, this will be our first two-part episode. Probably not our last. We realize maybe some of the ones last season were a bit long in the tooth. Sure. Uh, But this one will be a two-parter, and we will use the time to kind of delve into everything with enough care and thought that we want. Yeah, plus we want to leave time for the playlist challenge, right? Which we really enjoy doing, and we've got a lot of great feedback that people also enjoy listening to it. So we want to make sure that we have a playlist challenge um, for this first part of the episode on country. 
In part two of the country episode, we will be debuting a new feature called My Five, where Tank and I pick five songs that we feel passionate about. And I don't know that we're going to try to convince each other to to like what we like, but we're going to evangelize a little bit about why we care so much about a particular song. Right. It, uh, the My Five will be kind of the bizarro version of the playlist challenge. Um, right. You're, you're picking five for yourself and explaining why you like it. Um, and, you know, just to maybe shed some more light on, on what matters to us instead of talking about the other guy. Right. So, so if you get, uh, if you get all riled up about, um, perceived negativity we have towards or real negativity we have towards country music, don't worry about it <laughs> in the, my five for uh, part two, we will be sharing five country adjacent songs that we really love country ish. If you yes, will. Absolutely. So let's get started. All right. So I think a good starting point um, in the discussion is I had a discussion with a friend the other day and he mentioned uh, we're both fans of the author David Foster Wallace, which if you have a spare, I don't know, 17 years to to read some of his work, I highly recommend it. But um, he was uh, was asked the question at some point about is music art or is it entertainment? And his answer, I mean, to paraphrase is basically, if it's written, if the music is written for the writer, for the benefit of the writer, it is art. If it is written for the benefit of the audience, it is entertainment. And E and I share uh, a belief here that I think our biggest single gripe with modern country music Mm -hmm. is that it is clearly written for the audience and is merely entertainment. It is not art yes it has ventured so far into pop music territory where the sole goal is to sell records right or to to make money from from your art your quote-unquote artistic endeavor that it's lost whatever whatever the sincerity there whatever sincerity there was to uh being a country artist to making country songs has gone by the wayside in our opinion right it's and we'll just I will say after everything we say for the next hour or so just assume that we say in my opinion after because, <laughs> sorry yeah I, know, I just realized this. <laughs> no, it's, no it's true though it's a disclaimer but it would be a lot of that um, it is it, the way I see it it's not far removed at all from boy bands it, mm. it is equally as manufactured sure calibrated sure and, and focus grouped yeah and I think Nashville is the new Orlando, yeah. right? Orlando was the cent- boy band central. Yeah. And that one creepy ass guy who. Oh yeah. Lou Pearlman. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure there's some equivalently creepy person in Nashville. For sure. Who is manufacturing this stuff. And, um, you know, again, that it, it there's virtually zero sincerity to it. And I guess that's what pisses me off so much is boy bands and pop music is insincere, but it admits it. Yes. It doesn't pretend to be sincere yes. or meaningful or weighty. There's a wink and a nod the right. entire time. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were not making you think that they had these sincere feelings. Yeah, that they were pushing things forward, that that these things really mattered to them. Or they weren't pushing some jingoistic bullshit right. or whatever else. Yeah. But modern country does not have that respect for the listener. Right. It wants you to believe that this person that you're listening to who is fresh off a stadium sellout of 80,000 people. Right is somewhere in the fucking backwoods of West Virginia uh, drinking fucking moonshine right. and pining for some high school sweetheart that left him, even though he's 37. Right, right. And, and to give you context for this, 
I'm reading a book right now called Major Labels, and it's a history of popular music in five genres. And I just happened to finish the country chapter right before we decided we're going to do this as a topic. And there was this amazing quote when when, uh, the author looks at the history of country music. And I think this is really poignant. There's a quote in the book from Hank Williams, Hank Williams Sr., right? Sort of like the one of the people on the Mount Rushmore of country music. Let me read this quote by Hank Williams about country music. Senior, by the way? Hank Williams Sr. Okay. You ask what makes our kind of music successful? I'll tell you. It can be explained in just one word. Sincerity. I think that says all you need to know about where we are in terms of the the journey that country music has made. Yes. And it is, I think if there's one common thread of whenever you hear E or I talk about music, it's that the greater the sincerity, the greater likelihood we will enjoy it absolutely because again with art right if it's insincere what's the fucking point right and part of this you know is the function of the history of country music and the history of this country right so you're talking about a music that is really old right um you talk about jazz being the first american music this is countries right on board at the same time if, if not before right it comes from a time where things were simpler and the songs were about simpler things human emotions about the hardships you go through in rural rural life typically Well, America's less rural now, right? The artists who make country music, I would venture to guess most of them aren't coming from a rural background. Therefore, you're naturally going to have to switch up the topic. Well, in doing that, you've sort of homogenized everything and made it less special, especially considering you've essentially done away with the musical instruments that are so such telltale signs of country music, the slide guitars, the banjo, right? The, the, the lap steel in modern country music. You're not hearing those things anymore. So now you're just, what is this? It's just pop. It's pop with some other elements that we will be discussing in the near future. But what it definitely is, is soulless and manufactured Mm -hmm. and pedestrian. And I would venture to say Mm -hmm. just easy. Mm, okay it's just easy okay and which for some people is fine right for most people is fine right but not only easy to listen to yeah it's easy to make sure and to prove my point okay (laughs) oh my god here it comes here it comes (laughs) so i told my co-host i had a surprise for him oh boy and i did not tell him what it was um but i think it's time he finds out (laughs) and i don't like to say things and not be able to uh, back them up and improve what I'm saying. So to prove just how dumb and easy oh my God. it is to make a modern country song. Yeah. I made a modern Holy country song. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, man. It's not a complete song, um, but it's enough. And I think I'll make a deal with the Extended Play podcast listening okay. audience. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Um if this podcast mm-hmm. on, let's say, YouTube plus Instagram combined, yeah, uh, if it gets, let's say, 35 likes. Sure. Maybe 50. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I will record the whole song. Oh, man. So if you want to hear the entire story, uh, go ahead and make sure you find the podcast <laughs> and give it a like and a comment, and uh, we will make the whole thing for you. But for now, it is the untitled country song uh, by yours truly. Can't wait.
around in my pickup truck Looking for a nice girl that I can fuck Saw a sweet lady drinking lemonade I wanna show her how babies are made So I hopped out my diesel and I gave her a smile Asked her to spend some time for a while She spit out her dipper and she said yes sir I think my baby mama's gonna be her Now we're cruising down the highway doing shots of Jack My yellow lead named Dusty lying down in the back And we're jamming country music on the stereo We're falling in love with nowhere to go Thankful for our freedom and the Lord above Looking for a quiet place to make some love Found a cheap motel on the side of the road Knew that was the right place to drop my load Nine months later and we're mama and pa In the eyes of the Lord but not the law Gonna do our best to make our baby grow right Never ever 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 drink a fucking Bud Light Oh my god, I'm literally in tears. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that's going to require multiple listens from me. That, yeah. that, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is. There's layers. <laughs> Holy shit. And that was not AI, by the way. No, I wrote the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he didn't just plug it into ChatGPT. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, so, that was I wrote that song in about four minutes and uh, recorded it. In about five. Holy shit. Uh, quite a bit more time after that with the post-production. but <laughs> And and I will have everyone know I did not use auto-tune. I could have. Well done. Thank you. I could have. It might have been more more accurate to the, to the genre to use it. But exactly. I appreciate but that no, you didn't. I didn't use it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, we will make that available for download. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a royalty-free license. So oh, nice. You know, we're good to go. Awesome. Oh my God. Fantastic. <sighs> yeah. No, I've been sitting on that for like four oh, days. That's incredible. Dude, I was, I've been listening. I, dude, that song slaps. <laughs> it does. Okay. <laughs> well, I've, that's a good point though. I've been driving around listening to, so here's what I'm going to do this summer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have the windows down and fucking blast that at intersections. How people go, like, oh, dude, what the fuck is that? Right. Yeah. Dude, but I was literally singing my own song in Kroger yesterday. <laughs> I'm like walking around in the dairy section. I'm like, in the eyes of the Lord, but not the law. <laughs> so I got to give him credit. The the That type of music, yeah. the, the basis of it does lend itself to, yeah. you know. okay, It's catchy but, as hell. Right. But again, okay, so that was me, which last I checked, not a trained singer. <laughs> or musician. Or musician. I mean, granted, it was stock footage, but... Um, yeah, wrote it in less than five minutes. Incredible. Um, but if you want to hear the rest of it, if you want to find out what happens to their baby, um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find us at social media and let us know. Do you know what happens to their baby? Uh, I don't yet. Oh, right. Yeah, but you know, hey, maybe, hey, maybe in the comments, tell us what you want to happen to their baby, and I'll make it into this. Well done. <laughs> let's keep it. Yeah, let's come on. Let's be humane. But yeah, so that was uh, a fun little detour so i was kind of curious like um is it really that easy yeah how hard could it be and uh you know found it was, out it was not it was yeah it so again i i think um you know obviously obviously it was intended to be humorous but i think that you get the point right it's not it's not rocket science no no it's not yeah <laughs> but i mean if you had a checklist i don't know if you had a checklist as you were going through of things you needed to all the tropes that are in country songs you nailed them you got them all 
Right. Right. That was the point was to make sure we covered yeah. everything. I mean, um, yeah. Incredible. Important to have freedom. It is important to have freedom. Gotta have freedom. Because yeah. without country music, you don't have freedom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Another illustration of that point of the simplicity and the repetitiveness of a lot of modern country music was done perhaps uh, as well as possible by uh, someone on YouTube uh, called Sir Mashalot. And uh, we'll have the link to this in our social and um, you know all the information that you can possibly want to have about it. Uh, but it was done almost 10 years ago. It was November of 2014. And this person took six country songs that uh, were popular, relatively popular at the time, and overlaid them on each other in Pro Tools and made one song out of it. Now, it's important to remember, none of this was altered. Right, right. So there are some places where they are played sequentially, and then later on, they're played at the same time. Okay. But these were all popular songs. And... Um, again, we'll have the track list online, but it was, um, I won't bother you with the, the, the titles, but it was a Blake Shelton, Luke Bryan, Cole Swindell, Parmalee, Florida Georgia Line, and Chase Rice are the artists of these six songs okay. um, that you're going to hear here. So this is six different songs that were all on the charts at one point or another. So again, the, the full version is online and you really need to watch the video to fully understand that sounded like one song, right? Yeah. But for parts of that, there were as many as four songs playing simultaneously. Incredible. So uh, again, it, it really, you really need to have the video to fully appreciate what's going on, to watch the waveforms pass by of all the different songs. But right. um, it is a very uh, visceral indicator of it's basically the same thing over and over and over yeah, again, which, which I was thinking as we were listening to it. Okay. So playing devil's advocate, could you do that with another genre's music? For sure. You could do it with punk. You could do it with uh, reggae, certainly. Mm -hmm. You can do it with with, um, a lot of modern Latin music, right? That has that reggaeton beat in the background, right? Yeah. Um, But with the exception of that sort of modern, that reggaeton, um, they're not popular, right? Nope. Like as far as listenership, right? Punk music is not in the public it's not in the zeitgeist, right? People aren't talking about punk music generally. Right. But vir- virtually everything you said, none of it is popular. Right. And, and maybe that's what gets our goose a little bit. Absolutely. Here, right? It's like, look, there's plenty of shitty music that's not popular. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. And there's no need to talk there's about no it. There's no need. But that's where country kind of is like, okay, why is this shitty music so popular? Yeah. And I mean, part of, and it's the listenership, right? Um, it's the number one, it's the number one radio format. There are more country music radio stations than any other kind of radio stations in the United States. That's nuts to me. Right. And there, it wasn't that long ago that it was, there's maybe one on the dial. 
Absolutely. Right. I think in our junior high, high school yeah. days, it was like 106 or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there'd be one and maybe one country and 10 rock. Yeah. And it's probably close to reversed. Absolutely. Now, now and that's the number of stations that it's not listenership, which I'm happy to report that, that it seems like as far as radio goes, um, there is a shift and people are listening to less country music on the radio slightly over from like the statistics I looked were from 2017 to 2019 was the most recent they could get. But um, as far as listenership, who has the most actual listeners, it's talk radio, which <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but I mean, again, getting to the politics, I, I would guess that the listeners of the kind of talk that it is uh-huh. and country music, uh-huh. it's probably a Venn diagram looks a lot like a circle. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But but speaking of the history of it, you know, going back, um, you know, to the 80s and 70s. So the big break, it seems to be between what a lot of people consider traditional country music and modern country music essentially happens right around uh, in the early 90s with Garth Brooks, right? Garth Brooks changes a lot of things. Garth Brooks' popularity was such, his his songwriting was such, and it was some of his songwriting and some of right, the sort of Nashville machine that was writing songs for him as well, or he's picking songs that somebody else wrote. Um, his popularity was undeniable. The songs were too catchy. They were too... Um, Great fucking songs. Yeah, two pop. Dude, Colin Patton Rouge? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was undeniable. Yeah. And so, but it was also undeniably less country, right? And and Garth Brooks does not claim to have some sort of pedigree where he's working on farms and things like that. He's from Oklahoma, I believe, but didn't have that necessarily have that kind of background. Still, still wore the, the hat, right? Still wore the Stetson. But all you have to do is look at concert footage. And his shows were rock shows. They were not country shows. The whole smashing guitars. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Swinging from, right. Being suspended from over the audience. I think that Garth Brooks was to country music, what Jesus was to Christianity. <laughs> and I don't think that, okay. I don't think that's even remotely a controversial <laughs> statement. No, but like, I, I think you can, you can take the country music timeline mm-hmm. and it's, it's before and after Garth. Absolutely. Right. So it, it's like BC and AD yes, of country music yes. before Garth. At most you had Hank, Hank Williams Jr. Mm-hmm. Who was, moderately successful in the eighties, yeah, but yeah. almost as a novelty. Yes. Like it, it was almost like, it's like, Hey, look at this crazy fucker over here right. doing this with sure, a beard. Right. Sure. Um, and yeah, then Garth was Garth, uh-huh. you know, arg- not even arguably. I think he was the biggest artist of the early nineties. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't know. We can fucking look this up as far as album sales, album and, sales, crowd, everything. Yeah. Right. Um, and let's not forget the also very talented Chris Gaines. <laughs> that's right. Well, so that's an important thing I want to actually bring up is that Chris uh, Gaines. N- no, well, <laughs> the fact that Garth Brooks did this thing where he came up with an alternate personality and made a pop record as Chris Gaines and he wore a wig and it's this whole bizarre thing and tried not to say, didn't let on that it was actually him when everybody knew immediately that it was him. Mm-hmm. It's because and I didn't know this until I was just, again, reading this book where Garth actually prevented his people from promoting his music on pop radio and in pop markets. He was faithful to the genre. He believed in it so much that he actually wanted to bring people to country music. Hmm. So maybe they would, maybe their foot in the door would be his kind of his kind of country music, but then maybe they would go back and they, and they listen to all the greats. They listen to outlaw country and they'd go way back to Hank Williams senior, um, which I think is really honorable. Right. But he is that line. After that, Garth Brooks essentially begets Shania Twain. And to me, Shania Twain is the real, is the the other side of that line where you have songs like, man, I feel like a woman, which are just pop songs. Yeah. Great right. video though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same. 
as a young man, that was yeah, it was it was a special time. Right. Well, because I, I think that's where you know, like everything, fucking capitalist society. Once once they, meaning the music industry, saw how much money could be made, mm. it was game over Absolutely. for real country music. Absolutely, and, it and not, not to say that what Garth made wasn't real country yes. music. Yes, it was like again, it, it was half. It was half and half. Right. You had some of the tropes. You had some of the sort of rural references. You had the instrumentation. There was still some of that, but it leaned much more heavily into rock music and pop music. Right. Right. You start to see the banjos fall away. You hear the slide guitars fall away. In a way, I mean, there's a lot of parallels between Garth Brooks and Eminem. Okay. Eminem became who he was because he he blended some pop into it. Okay. Some pop sensibility. Okay. Um, You know, he references that one of his songs, right? That he's like, he, he made it something better. And that's oh. why people are jealous. Okay. I think there's something to that where you, it's not that they're betraying the original genre. Sure. It's that they found a way to make it even more uh, palatable to Absolutely. the mainstream. Absolutely. And you can't begrudge them for that, right? No. The, the innovators at, at any stage of any musical genre, the innovators, right? You got to give respect to those people that right. it can't stay the same forever or it dies. And, and you know, we're both lovers of jazz. It's, I don't believe jazz is, is dead, but as far as listenership goes, it's below classical at this point. It, it in, in popular terms has died because it couldn't evolve. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that could be a whole episode, but um, smooth jazz wasn't enough. Kenny G wasn't enough to save jazz. Yeah. It, who, it, eventually, who it? it eventually ended it. Right. <laughs> so props to Garth Brooks for changing the game. Right. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Yeah. And it's not his fault. What happened after? No, it's not. It's, mm. right. If you're listening, Garth, we don't blame you. <laughs> Nothing but love. <laughs> right. So getting back to something I mentioned a little bit earlier about the origins of country music, right? And and this is something that's perplexing to me, is how far from the origins it's come. And as I mentioned before, uh, this is music originally recorded um, by people who are living in rural settings, right? Um, they're using whatever instruments they can. Um, and, your, and your major instruments, right, are the fiddle, which comes from the UK, right, from immigrants from the UK, and then the banjo, which comes from Africa, right? And these two instruments are essential to what country sounds like today. Uh, in addition to the, the the plight of the average person, right, and the southern accent, let's be honest, right, which is like, a those, those are all telltale signs of country music. And I bring it up because not only because I mentioned earlier that those, like the banjo's gone away, the slide guitar, the, the fiddle has gone away, but... The history of country music includes, at the very beginning, the contributions of black Americans, of black folks. And look at the country charts today, and it's essentially all white. Shout out to Darius Rucker. <laughs> and there are a few, and, and there's a whole subgenre of hip hop, I guess, right? I've heard a couple, which is, I mean, yeah, yeah I, let's don't get me started. Yes, we'll right. let that go today. Right. But it seems like a small detail to focus on, but for me, who actually likes listening to the banjo, who likes listening to the fiddle, right? Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that those instruments are gone. And the history, when you look at the history of country music, most people don't think black folks. And in Ken Burns' documentary, he tried to um, remedy that a little bit. I think he did a decently effective job. Now, how many people watch that? I mean, it's for the PBS crowd, and I don't know how many people that are listening to country radio are watching PBS. Right. So I don't know if it landed. Um, but I think it was, I think it's important to wreck right away at the origins. There is a strong tradition of this music in black culture at the beginning. And it is, it is effectively gone now. Right. Because it, it, the way you described it, you know, from a songwriting standpoint and life experience standpoint, it's, it's essentially white people blues. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. Right. Yeah. 
But why is it white people blues? Why 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 is it gone to that? Well, I mean, I, I guess you, you could argue at some point in time in history they were obviously equivalent, right? We're not we're not uh, judging them, but they both had their place, right? That the they lived alongside one another, exactly equal in popularity, right? Okay, I mean, ju- just like the society that they were part of, they were segregated, right? Yes, the, yes. The white did this, the black did that, sure. and they were you know separate but equal, so yes. to speak. Yeah. Um, but the I, I guess that's what makes country so interesting is it's the only genre that seems to have so thoroughly changed but not changed its name right good right. point yeah country music in 1960 has nothing to do with country music no. in 2023 no it certainly doesn't and except for the outliers right and there's always outliers right like the chris stapletons and these kind of people sure, right sure right and, and again that's one caveat we put on everything is yeah we know there's exceptions to every rule we're talking about you know the the critical mass of the genre in terms of record sales for sure so i want to read an, i'm sorry to get all academic here but i want to read another quote from major labels so i think this is this is really poignant it says in a way that i couldn't say it myself since the 1920s country has grown both less rural and less southern its contemporary musicians and listeners tend to share neither an agrarian culture nor a regional identity. What they still have in common often is being white. Surveys suggest that the genre's audience remains disproportionately white. That is bullshit for a genre to, and I I believe there are people out there trying to remedy it and getting more people of color on the radio in modern country, but why would a person of color want to make country music if country music celebrates the things that were in Tank's song, right? This right. sort of base. Why would any, I mean, our, the notion, why would anybody, to be honest? But I, I don't know. That, that does not sit well with me. Like if, if you can look at your genre and look at the demographics and it's so vastly one ethnicity, if you want to call it that, that's a problem. Right. So in and of itself, in a vacuum, probably harmless, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe a statistical anomaly or something that can be easily explained by, you know, whatever familiarity, whatever else. And, you know, in in case anyone is thinking about saying what's, what's the problem with just look, it's like any social dynamic, Mm -hmm. there's majorities and minorities. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a lot of art forms, whether it's, uh, you know, of course, hip hop is the most obvious yeah, one. R and B, R and B, where it's like, well, what about those are mostly black people? Yeah, it is okay, but it's different when it's a minor, a social minority mm-hmm. that they create art to, you know, for each other by each other, mm-hmm. and you know, celebrate their identity. It's different when you're the minority. Right. So, the the first kind of, I guess, warning sign is when it's it's exclusionary to the majority group, right? And over history, that usually ends up not being great. Yes. Right. Yes. When, when the people that hold the power mm-hmm. uh, in whatever form you want to say power takes mm-hmm. um, become exclusionary. That's the first part. That's not good. The second part that I think really makes it a little, it's, it's what it celebrates. Yes, exactly. And um, there is no reason that any American mm-hmm. outside of a museum <laughs> okay. should be seeing a Confederate flag. And that is true Absolutely for true. Eh, roughly a hundred years. Yes. Right. Yes. So why, why, why? And, and again, don't even fucking come to me with this whole, it's not about that. Yes, it fucking it 100% is. hundred percent. Okay. Is. Don't make me, you know, we'll put on the fucking social media. God knows how many album covers or clothing worn by the artist. Yeah. So what the fuck does the Confederate flag mean? What, what does it really stand for? Are they going to say it's history and it's my past, but what does it mean? What part of that history are you proud of? Right. And I'm willing to listen to the answer, but we all know what the fucking dog whistle is. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So 
And if it's not the Confederate flag, it's the American flag, which now has well, the American t- flag has become the Confederate. It, it has, hasn't it? <laughs> because you know, at at modern country concerts, a chant of USA, USA will randomly break out amongst the the audience, and right. that's not. Sorry, that's not the pride of going to a soccer match and the U.S. national team is playing. Right. That's a different kind of pride. Right. And it's a problematic kind of pride that, uh, yeah, that makes it a complete no-go for me to, to even entertain the thought of listening to that kind of music or, or being in those kind of crowds. Right. And, and it's, it is like a lot of the dog whistle politics that is happening these days where on its surface, it has plausible deniability of, oh, it's just blank yeah it's just a chant it's just this but if you keep asking questions you get to a point pretty quickly where they don't have answers or or they do have answers and they don't want to admit it yeah they're not comfortable saying it yeah um and you know again this is uh you know probably not going to be a super popular statement amongst people that are big country music fans but again let's be honest we're all adults here we all live in this same country and we have the same experience by no means are all or most country fans racist people? No, no, that'd be impossible to say that. But racists, by and large, are country music fans. I mean, it's disturbing. It, it sounds um, provocative, but think about it for a second. And I challenge anyone who would disagree with that statement to say, okay, let's take whatever group of people you want to call racist, whatever whatever criteria you have sure. for someone to be a dyed-in-the-wool racist. Yeah. What are they listening to? And don't come at me with... People of color are racist. Get the fuck out of here right, with that. Right. They, hey, let's. They cannot be right. <laughs> right. For for another day, yeah. we can have you know. Can can minorities be racist? Yes, they can. Is the answer. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about systemic and institutional power. Right. So, the why is that? Right. And again, I, I won't even entertain an argument that oh no, racists love you know hip hop and and spoken word. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So. It is what it is. And if you want, if we really want to have that discussion, you want me to bring up clips of Morgan Wallen or a host of other modern country stars getting caught saying and doing things they shouldn't when they think no one was watching. Right. We'll do that. But let's forego that and assume that we're all adults and we can admit the obvious. Well, and also having those people be 100% forgiven five seconds later or worse, people like Morgan Wallen gets caught using the N word, gives a bullshit apology for it. And then his record sales go up. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that say about who we are as a country? Right. So, I, I again, I don't expect it to be a popular statement, but I think it's undeniable that a portion of modern country music's success is attributable to it is the group where like-minded, hateful people congregate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a, a concert and it's a stadium sellout, Luke Combs or whatever, uh-huh. and there's 60,000 people there, I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe it's 50,000 truly like the music, but there's a not insignificant number that are there because they identify as part of a culture yes. that thinks this is the way it should be. Yeah. These are the good old boys yeah. and I miss the good old days. And by good old days, they mean the days where they were in charge and no one could challenge them. Yeah, it's make America great again, right? right. It's this, this perceived time in the world where things were better for right. white people. Right. Right. <laughs> and whenever someone says make America great again, I, my question is when, what, give me a year. Right. And for who? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, and this is coming from two white males, right? Who mm-hmm. America's pretty great as far as advantages we get right now. Right. right. We have uh, no complaints that way. Right. So, I mean, we could, uh, and God knows there's people much better qualified than us. to explore this, but we would be remiss if we're talking about country music and its history 
and its culture at any kind of depth and not bring up what we perceive to be the obvious, right? which is it is a non-zero portion of its listener base is it's not about the music. It's about the hate that it gives a wink and a nudge to mm-hmm. and go, yeah, don't, don't worry. We're going to us good old boys here are going to celebrate tonight. Don't worry about them. Right. And who's them. Right. Exactly. And let me just drop in this quote by Steve Earle, who is a, you know, could be considered a country musician, probably more alternative country. Right. He's, but he's a pillar in the musical community um, has had a, like a 40 year recording career. He once said in an interview with the Guardian newspaper, he was asked about modern country, which was which is um, a, a way for people to bait, a way for journalists to bait uh, older country people, country folks, is to ask them about modern country because they know what they're going to get. And here's what he said about modern country: I think this says it all. The best stuff coming out of Nashville is all by women, except for Chris Stapleton. The guys just want to sing about getting fucked up. They're just doing hip hop for people who are afraid of black people. I like the new Kendrick Lamar record, so I'll just listen to that. And that was in 2017, so six years ago now. But I think that fucking, that nails it mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, And it's what makes it so disgraceful and unpalatable to have so, any sort of allegiance to that style of music. Right. And, um, and I got to bring it up because it's relevant. This whole fucking Bud Light controversy. And, and, and you know what? I, I don't even like using the word controversy because no. what it is is Bud Light as part of a marketing campaign where they're trying to reach out to demographics they normally don't, you know, basically anyone with good taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which they, is ironic considering what Bud Light tastes like. I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but they they decided to send one of these custom cans that they sent to celebrities they make as one-offs and they sent one to Dylan Mulvaney, a trans woman who has a very large Instagram following. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all they did. That's it. They sent one can. And she talked about it. And she talked about show, it. Yeah. And it wasn't a marketing campaign. Nope. It wasn't a commercial. Yep. It wasn't a concerted. It's not like it, the reaction would make you believe that Bud Light, be, Bud Light cans became rainbow. <laughs> right. All of them. Right. Not right. just a commemorative set. All right. of them. Right. Um, so it's, it's a completely manufactured controversy. It wasn't a controversy. No, it it wasn't. became a cultured war because... Because the people that like to oppress people are running out to people to oppress, and trans are an easy target. Yes, they're, they're so, the flavor of the flavor of the month, right? Right. Let's go right. after them, right? Exactly. It was Mexicans, and they yeah. can't do that anymore. Yeah. And then you know that you know the lifetime achievement award goes to blacks that they're trying to oppress them. <laughs> right. But you know people get sick of the same old song, so it's like, oh, let's go after trans and, and LGBT who are, right. who are surely next because we don't understand them enough yet. Right. Right. So right. We, we it's more it's easier to go after them. So again, that could be that's a whole other episode. That's not what we're here to do, but. The go ahead. And again, here's a little uh, interactive challenge for you. Go ahead and Google music artist, Bud Light controversy. Mm-hmm. You tell me what genre of music comes up over and over again of people that are, if they're not filming themselves with the fucking assault weapon, right? Shooting, which kid rock, who I hesitate heavily to call a music artist, <laughs> whatever the fuck he is. He, it, I think it was best. Kid rock was best described as a human above ground pool. <laughs> I think that is the most accurate metaphor I've ever heard. Um, But he is, uh, he's, if you had to put him in in a bucket, he's in country these days. Yes, absolutely. And he's pandering to his audience when he says like, oh, let me say something. And turns around and and shoot. Think about this. Think about the fucking world we live in. A music artist. Yeah. I use that word lightly. Right. Is catering to his audience. That's why he filmed it. Mm Mm-hmm. He's catering to his audience by saying, I'm going to take a gun Mm -hmm. and shoot a beverage. Right. Why? (laughs) 
because the company that makes that beverage sent a can to a trans woman. Nothing that I said is not fact. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Why? Why did he do it? Right. And and why was it so well liked? I don't even I don't know how many fucking times it was retweeted or liked or whatever. Yeah. Thousands. Sure. Several thousands. Yeah. Probably hundred thousands. Right. Why? Because it's the wink and the nod. Yeah. It's not about the music. No. It's about you hate what I hate. Yes. Now let's go listen to some trite bullshit absolutely. and get drunk. Yep. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Which, uh, since I'm now a country recording artist, <laughs> that will be the name of my first album. <laughs> Let's go talk about some trite bullshit and get drunk. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Tank is accepting sponsorships. I am. So Bud Light, bring Bud it. Light, bring it. <laughs> or anyone who wants to give me five bucks. I'll give you my Venmo. Yeah. And you will be the star of my next album. Please put Tank's face on your can. Because yes. Because he. <laughs> you have to say it now. <laughs> because if you don't, he will. And with that, we're going to pause the discussion for a moment, and we'll finish up that discussion in part two of this episode on country music. And don't forget, at the end of episode two, we'll be debuting our feature called My Five, and the topic there will be essentially the good guys, the good guys and gals, um, the people who are making country-adjacent, country-ish music um, that we actually appreciate what they're doing. Uh, Next up is going to be the playlist challenge. You know it. You love it. It's inevitable. Now it's time for the playlist challenge. Uh, I chose the topic this episode, and I figured it was only appropriate, since this is the first episode of season two, for our prompt to be seasons. So these are songs with the names of seasons in the title, or they're about a particular season, and Tank is going to go first with the five songs that I picked for him to listen to. All right, I will kick it off, and interesting collection of songs here this time through. Thank you. Uh, Well, yes. I didn't say good or bad interesting. (laughs) I'll take it as a compliment. Uh, But... uh, I do have to uh, give credit for uh, thankful for picking a collection of songs that added up to 16 minutes. So it, um, it expedited the time I had to take listening to everything and, uh, and take my notes. So yeah, again, you're welcome. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Um, All right. But yeah, definitely a pretty divergent crowd here. Um, Yeah. So let's jump right into it. Starting with number five, it is spring break anthem by the lonely (laughs) Island. Who want to do a shot? We do. We came for a week, we the kings of the beast. Spray water on the girl, he shirt See through, Cancun Party down, mother down Another round, have a zoo Crack a brew, marry a man Pranks when you pass out Jokes about roofies Making girls kiss, marry a man Giant sombrero, show us your titties Creatine shakes, marry a man Spring break, y'all Oh shit, I'm too fucked up You can rally So, alright <laughs> I mean, Sorry. I'm not going to deny it. it's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, I got in, you know, my number one note, which is obvious, quite a departure from the other four uh, on the list. So it, the music is generic, which helps the joke. Yes. Right? So the, the joke is funny and it is well executed. The only reason it's number five is it's like, all right, I would listen two or three times. I would get the joke and then I probably wouldn't go back after that. Um, but what is funny, what is funny about it is they take pretty much generic LMFAO party music uh-huh. and they're singing ostensibly about spring break. But as the song goes on, the lyrical content goes from 90% spring break misogyny and 10% gay love to by the end, it's 90% <laughs> gay love and 10% spring break misogyny. Right. Um, 
the uh, the the series of bars from the end that I that I picked out was picking our invite font is a twosome something tasteful but not too bland seating arrangements charming the in laws ripping beer bongs sex with a man. <laughs> So. And the joke is to, is taking the piss out of the fact that people get all worked up. Like you can do an entire song about ripping beer bongs and shit, right? And being misogynistic, and people don't care. But right. you mentioned like gay love, and it's like people throw, fucking throw a fit, right? Right. So it's it's the, the the best part of it is just how subtle it is, right? Yeah. And it's like, and I'm sure that you know the Lonely Island probably part of the joy of it for them is watching people listen to it. <laughs> and everyone at some point in the song is going to get that confused dog look on their face. Like, what did I just hear? So that part is funny. And um, it is funny. It was a good listen. I just know that, you know, after one or two, I wouldn't go back to it. And, um, you know, whereas the rest of the songs have a little more staying power, I think. Yeah, um, at number four, I have Falling Slowly by Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Irglova. So it's from a motion picture soundtrack. Matter of fact, it won an Academy Award. Yeah. You, you haven't seen it. For the movie? Yeah. Once? No. Oh, man, you'll love it. Really? Um, maybe not. You're not a movie guy. Nah, I can be. But it's it's about it's about a musician. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd probably dig it. Yeah. So all new to me. Oh, amazing. So, you know, I do my, you know, perfunctory background research on this stuff. I see that, <laughs> oh, shit, won an Academy Award, you know, yeah. best original song for a motion picture. Yeah. Um, my first note, though, is it's from a motion picture soundtrack, and it sounds like it is. Oh, interesting. Like to me, it's just the, the, oh. the way it opens and starts. Yeah. It's like you picture a, a couple breaking up or something or okay. getting together. Okay. It just has that vibe okay. for me. Um, I dig the harmonies cool. quite a bit. Cool. Um, but I think it starts too slow and it, mm. it doesn't, um, later on in the song, there's a lot more dynamics mm-hmm. and I just, I mean, if I'm being a prick about it, I feel like they could have pulled that forward in the song a little bit. Um, bit of a slog at the beginning. Sure. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I always do this. I don't like cryptic lyrics. And okay. again, with background, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how most good lyrics are, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, the, I think it starts out with, I don't, I don't know you, but I want you all the more for that. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. Just, <laughs> I like you know, that. Uh, okay. All right. I mean, it's not horrible. It's not as bad as some other examples. It's not Kid Rock. No, nothing is, thankfully. <laughs> um, not bad, not bad. I mean, I, I'm going to go back and listen to it. I think this one could be a grower that, you know, already there's been some from pre- previous playlist challenges that sit on my iTunes now, and I, I you know, mm. it kind of grows on me over time. Oh, or, sure. You know, you learn yeah. what the lyrics yeah. are about, whatever. Um, but yeah, not bad, but amongst this group, number four. Number three of the seasonal-themed songs was Summertime by Charlie Parker.
So as always, tough to rate and elaborate on jazz tunes. Yeah, I get it. Right. Um, but I know you like it, so I keep throwing it out there. I know you do. And I I, I mentioned that I'm, I'm waiting for the day that it's not an automatic top three. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there was, you know, a fair amount of deliberation on three versus four. Um, what I do like about it is I like the mix is a bit unusual. Mm, okay. And it sounds like the piano is 30 feet away. Oh, okay. Um, there's something about the... You know, the, the, the sax sounds great, of course. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, that's clearly front and center. The symphony sounds set far back, mm-hmm. but at times doesn't. The piano, uniquely though, it just really sounds distant. Okay. But it works. Yeah, sure. And given the time in which this was recorded, chances are the piano probably was 30 feet it away. Probably, it had to be. Right? Right. So, um, but it worked. It, it made for a really interesting dynamic that had, like, you, you can, like, almost visualize the depth of field oh, cool. of the instruments. Cool. Uh, but good song. Good, good jazz song. Nice. Um, so I noticed it, it was specifically Charlie Parker with strings. Yes. So I'm assuming there, he did, he normally does not, re- normally did not record with strings. In fact, as I understand it, this seems, um, it's referred to often as kind of like a sellout album to just to sell records. He's really kind of an av- avant-garde, borderline avant-garde saxophone player. And this was way down, like as far as simplistic arrangements and stuff and a full symphony. Like it was seen as an attempt to sell records. Okay, So Summertime as a song existed. Oh yeah. It's a standard. I mean, you've, okay. heard, you've heard that, like you've oh, heard yeah, that yeah, in yeah. the yeah. Uh, Sublime song and yeah. it, it's an in, interpolations of that song are all over the place. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. Gives a little more context because it clearly there's a delineation between the string version and not. Yeah. At number two is A Calf Born in Winter by, might need an assist here, Kruangbin. I have no idea how to say it. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, we're going to go with Kruangbin or whatever. Fucking look at look at the playlist online. Because, <laughs> I mean, we did a lot of research in other parts of this episode. Right. I mean, this yeah. one, you know, but I mean, but honestly, fuck. How, I mean, come on. KH was a star. Give me a break. But anyway, yeah. that's the artist. And the song is A Calf Born in Winter. So I like this one a lot. Um, this will be an album purchase. Great. After I figure out how to pronounce the name yeah. of the artist. Um, first thing I notice, the name of the song immediately doesn't fit the baseline that starts off. No, be- it doesn't. Because when the, the, the name of the song is a calf born in winter, yeah. you are sure it's going to be a downbeat. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, Gloomy. Sure. sure. So when it comes out with a boom, 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 <laughs> right? Um so yeah, right, like from the first second, literally, it's like, okay, not what I expected. Okay. Um, but building on that, this song, the whole song, and it's instrumental, which, you know, again, it's I'm a sucker for instrumentals, but um, it's a unique mix of upbeat and desolate. Mm. Like the bass line mm-hmm. is upbeat, uh, maybe a major chord. I don't know. I'll ask Rick Beato. <laughs> and, and, but the rest of it is kind of sparse and mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition mm-hmm. of sounds. Okay. Um, but it just works. It's just got a great, it's got a great groove, great groove. Yeah. Um, I used a metaphor, uh, last season that a certain song, you know, felt like a cup of hot mug of hot chocolate oh, yeah. on a cold winter day. I think I'm going to use that beverage analogy over and over again. So 
With that in mind, this song, it feels like a lukewarm IPA while you're sitting in the backyard of a cabin at 921 PM on August 29th. (laughs) Very specific. Yes. It's, it's been a hot summer day. Um, It's cooling off a bit. The sun has almost gone over the horizon and you're sitting there with a beer, just chilling. And that's what this song sounds like. Wow. Okay. And that's a, I don't mind a lukewarm IPA. I think some people might think that's a bad thing. Well, you know, you've been sitting there while you're relaxed. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to make it back to the cooler. (laughs) So, um, musically great tone on the guitar, great dynamics. Yeah. Um, if you ever look for an example of things that aren't over compressed, this would be it, you know, it gives the music space to breathe. I love whatever the effect is on his guitar, whatever pedal he's using or whatever. I love that sound. It's great. Yeah. No, pretty clean. And, um, yeah, liked it quite a bit. So the number one is a song named Summer Girl by Haim. LA on the mind, I can't breathe. You're there when I close my eyes, so hard to reach. Your smile's turning into crying, it's the same release. And you always know, and you always know. it a lot uh, obviously duh it's number one <laughs> <laughs> it could be five duds that's true <laughs> this is the least that's offensive <laughs> so uh continuing the tradition of going in depth on my reasoning for the rankings even though no one gives a fuck <laughs> that's not true and eh, no one cares well i care oh i care oh yeah all right uh no this was number two when i did the list and a calf born of winter was number one because i really liked it okay um but in going through the lyrics on this one mm. and then uh looking into the backstory Oh, cool. I'm glad you read it. Um, Yeah, I'm a sucker for a backstory. So, you know, Um, but basically, so this song, it's a love letter from the singer who is also the songwriter to her girlfriend, who is also the producer of the song Mm -hmm. after she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, I thought it was boyfriend, but I guess it doesn't matter. Her, her significant other who also happens to be the producer and you know, it, then you go back and read it again and it's like, oh, okay, it's basically like a cheer up. I got your back. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be your summer girl. I'll be there for you. Right. Right. So, um, you know, that, you know, it shouldn't influence it that much, but it did. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, there's a whole um, song to promo another podcast that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, song exploder, the one that they explode songs. They, you know, um, take them apart from the inside out. There's a whole song exploder on that. And she tells the story. It's really, great. okay. It's nice hearing it from her. Yeah. Um, and the band is all sisters, mm-hmm. which was also interesting yeah. to see. Um, so the music itself, um, oh, one more random trivia. Lou Reed has a writing credit on this song. Oh, that's funny. So I'm like, well, that that's odd. Is and, it take uh, a walk on the wild side? Is like a basically, basically oh. the, the baseline is so similar to walk on the wild side that to avoid any drama, they just gave him a writing Smart. credit. Okay. Yep. Um, so love the breezy coolness of the song when the horns come in that's awesome mm-hmm. uh, very much a, a summery beachy kind of vibe uh-huh. uh, again good dynamics it 
it lets it breathe. It's not fucking shoved down your throat. And my note here, it's the anti-sugar. Uh, the vocals are a little too high in the mix. Oh, um, okay. It's It was almost distracting. It's like, holy shit, she's right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <whoa. laughs> um, but that's my only, a great groove. Love the music. Great lyrics. Uh, that's my only minor um, complaint is is the vocal mix. But okay. no, great song. And that's another, the whole band I'm kind of curious about now. They're great. They yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. So I'm going to get into that. But uh, yeah, because of that, number one. Awesome. So I will now throw it over to E to do his ranking of the five season related songs that I gave to him. All right. Here we go. As I peruse the list, I'm going to pick my number five right now. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with First Air of Autumn by Drive-By Truckers. First air of autumn up your nose Popcorn, heavy hairspray, nylon pantyhose Please stand and bow your heads and pray you don't get old So the first thing I thought of was I immediately, I really liked the, the rhythm, the, um, it felt like a drive in autumn, the, how it, um, just whatever. And it's very consistent throughout the song. The, the rhythm really doesn't change. There's no, there's no shifts for chorus really. Um, and I like that. It feels like a drive in fall. I think the South, because the guy's got a, the singer's got a Southern accent, but I could be mistaken. Um, that is pretty much it for what I like about the song. And, and, and I can get very specific reasons. Um, so I, I don't mind it. If it was playing, I wouldn't turn it off. Um, I really dislike his voice, um, which doesn't make sense because, especially as we get to the, the um, my five that'll be on part two of this episode, I like guys who sound like this at times. But whatever his particular delivery, for whatever reason, didn't catch me. Particularly the very last thing he says, he like literally his voice breaks and not breaks like because he's all worked up but like he because he can't carry the tune he's by far the weakest drive-by truckers vocalist this isn't patterson hood no okay that's the thing and i don't even know the other guy's name yeah so in the glory days you had patterson this guy and jason isbell yeah which god i can't believe they were in the same fucking shit um but yeah i it's pretty much 50 50 okay on the albums oh really and i i never end up there's only a handful of this guy's songs that i like sure okay whatever Um, you're not alone yeah um, and the first lines of the song are first air of autumn up your nose. It's a weird turn of phrase to say, like, it smells like autumn outside, like to say something's up your nose, like a, I don't know, like a line of blow or something. I, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was really weird. Um, also, he says something about the smell of nylon pantyhose. I didn't know that they had a smell. Maybe they do. I'm going to go ahead and say, if pantyhose have a smell, uh-huh. you're going to wish it didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> So not fall, not something pleasant. No, no, no. Okay. No, yeah. maybe, maybe late spring when it's humid. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Musty. <laughs> um, yeah. And the lyrics, I don't, I don't understand what one verse has to do with the other, but anyway, I, I like the instrumentation. I like this kind of song. I don't like this one. Um, overall makes it number five for number four. I will pick suddenly last summer by the motels.
you know what's crazy is that I I recognized the title before I hit play. I didn't recognize the band name at all. No one ever does. And then I played it, and as soon as I heard her voice, I'm like, oh, this is the person that sings Only the Lonely. Yes. And so something about her voice stuck with me all mm-hmm. these years, right? Very recognizable, clearly. Um, and then as it went, I kind of recognized a little bit more. So much so that like, I felt like there was one part of it that almost sounds, you know, like... Um, there was that trend in the nineties when Puffy would basically lift entire parts of songs of like pop songs and then make them a hip hop song. There's part of this song that's so catchy that I thought, I feel like I've heard it somewhere else. It might be the bridge, not at the bridge. It might be the chorus. Anyway, I like it fine. Um, I think I liked it. Okay. Then I like the vibe of the music. It's very chill. Um, uh, tangentially made me think of the fact that I listen to a lot of um, when I'm um, like working, I'll listen to, lo-fi the lo-fi hip-hop beats channel on um, youtube they just started another channel which is synthwave chill or something like that and it's this style of like a lot of synth right and it has just the, i don't know it's a good it's a good vibe for working and this fell in line with that so i had like kind of like a new appreciation for it so yeah, yeah and then it's going to interject because i probably won't have a chance to talk about the motels again yeah on sure. the podcast but th- this to me is like the ultimate nostalgia song okay it's just immediate yeah and that's all it has for me. Okay. Right. It's an okay pop song. Yeah, sure. But God, it just takes me to like, you know, that moment in time. What year do you know what year it came um, I don't know exactly. I'm going to say 85. Yeah. It's got to be yeah. early to mid. Yep. Yeah. Um, I like the part. One thing, the cool thing that happens in the chorus is that, so there's a key change when it comes, when they get to the chorus. And so, so you clearly know musically that this is the chorus. And then she gets to saying suddenly last summer, but before she finishes the lyrics to summer, the, music returns back to what the verses sound like. So the key change drops back down again. It's a really cool, neat little trick she did where it like, it's like an incomplete thought almost. Um, I really like it. It was unique, um, challenging. So thanks Rick Beato. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> Confession. I watched the whole episode on key changes and yeah. why there's not any key changes anymore. Nice. For my number three, I chose summer song by Joe Satriani. takes forever to get going doesn't it, does. it? <laughs> what's well, an eight minute fuck seven and a half minute song is it yes oh sorry that's all right <laughs> it does take a while to get started because it's yeah. a seven and a half minute long song yeah um i'll get to that in a second the first thing uh, my experience with this song there's nothing i dislike about it it uh, did the exact same thing that that motel song did for you it brought me to a place and i'm driving with uh, you know shout out to my buddy my brother-in-law jay driving in jay's lebaron uh, it's purplish LeBaron. It's exactly the really? mental image I have. And we just got slushies at the mobile. Oh my God. That's exactly <laughs> it. And this song is jamming with the windows down. Yep. Jay got some dipping sticks. <laughs> That's right. I got Funyuns. Yep. We, we all had our thing. Yep. Um, oh man. Yeah. So it's a, it's a firm memory in my brain. Um, the song's cool. Um, I like that it's an instrumental for instrumental sake. Like it does not need vocals. And some do. Sometimes I'm listening to instrumental music and I'm like, this is just because the guy doesn't know how to sing. <laughs> this is not one of those cases. It, 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 it's cool on its own. Um, seven and a half minute long song. I was wondering, do you know if there was a radio version or did they actually play all seven and a half Had minutes? Been, because it, the video is not that long. It's not. Okay. No. 
speaking of, yeah, um, we'll put a link on our socials. Uh, video's fucked up. Oh, it is. It's not in a bad bad way. Everything is in a heavy orange filter. Okay, it's like it's like sepia tone, but orange. Weird. Yeah, even weirder. Okay. So the whole gimmick is they're at like a I don't know if it's a race or demolition derby. Okay. It's something white trashy with cars. <laughs> okay. okay. When you watch it, notice they spend an inordinate amount of time in the bathroom. That's weird. Just watch it. Okay, I will. Not in a pornographic weird way. It's just like, guys, for a five-minute video, you're in the fucking shitter for like two and a half of it. <laughs> are they getting ready? Or are they washing no, their hands? I think there's a fight. Girls are putting on makeup. It's okay. just like, I'm just imagining the screenplay. Which I'm sure there was a screenplay yeah. for it. And it's like, you know, you know, interior, bathroom. <laughs> Next scene, interior, bathroom. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. And, and it's cheesy and corny as you'd expect. Yeah, sure. The riff, I would say, is iconic. I will never forget that riff for as long as I live. I mean, it's just, it, it's burned into my brain. And it says summer. I, absolutely nails the vibe of summer to me. My number two is Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer. First of all, major Sabbath vibes at the very beginning with how slow it is and just the, the nature of the riffs. I'm sure they wear their uh, influence on their sleeve. Um, I love a long, a long introduction that sort of takes you on a journey before you get to what the song is. I really do. I don't mind long songs at all. Ironic considering I just talked about the Satriani song seeming long. That's just because it was played on pop radio. This was not. Um and it's got a long intro. I don't know how many minutes before there's actual lyrics. It's over two minutes. I think yeah. it's two minutes, 10 seconds. Okay. And it takes you on a journey. And I like that journey. I like the different riffs. I like, um, and then when you get right before the lyrics actually come in, you get a, the tempo shifts dramatically and it's an, almost an entirely different song, but a good one. One I dig a lot. Um, and that great riff, more of a, I think, uh, when I think of Slayer, I think of riffs like that rather than sort of this long, drawn-out sort of cinematic vibe that the opener, opening part has. Um, uh, I looked at the lyrics as I was reading it. It seemed to me, what I wrote down is like, it was like a, like the songwriter had Mad Libs and every everything underneath the, the, the line in Mad Libs said something gruesome or violent. <laughs> and And... And so he did that without knowing what the sentences would be. It, the song doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. There may be a backstory. I know a lot of their songs like are about serial killers and shit, right? Um, or yeah, like Dead Skin Mask. Or, or there's a couple of them anyway. Yeah. Not a lot, a lot of them. <laughs> All their songs, serial <laughs> so that's killers. That's what they're about. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I didn't connect with the lyrics at all. I don't need to. Slayer's not about connecting with the lyrics. I love Rain and Blood, right? I think that's a fucking kick-ass song. I don't connect with the lyrics one bit. It's all about the riff um, and how unique sounding they are. So I like this song. I knew this song because Tank um, liked this album a lot when we were kids. Um, so yeah, my, just just not my number one, but really good song. I like it. Uh, since today is random trivia video factoid okay. day for me, okay. um, this video, yeah, on location in Egypt. Oh, okay. Um, filmed inside a pyramid. Holy shit. So it's in black and white inside the pyramid because yeah. they couldn't get a permit to bring light into the pyramid because oh. it would damage it. Sure. So they performed inside the pyramid with a series of mirrors projecting light inside so they could film. Wow. It. How cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Cool. 
Yeah, I like it a lot. That's a good one. <laughs> that makes my number one after the fall by zero seven featuring somebody. <laughs> not tank. Well, not yet. <laughs> my career as a recording artist is just getting started. Uh, it's featuring Lou Stone. Right. Lou Stone. Everybody uh, knows Lou Stone. Lou Stone. Yeah, dude, come, come on. on. <laughs> National the minute, treasure. The minute he or she opened their mouth, you should have known it was Lou Stone. <laughs> anyway, here it is. It's cold or close to dawn. Looking out into the gray But I just don't know why I call Cause I know I shouldn't feel like this forever But I ain't got a better And Zero Seven has a knack for picking, I I would say, maybe this guy is, maybe Lou Stone is famous, maybe he's got a following, but to me it seems like they are able to pick people out of relative obscurity and make them, and I don't know, I wouldn't have heard them otherwise, right? And what a beautiful voice he has, Mm -hmm. what range he has, Um, and of course the song is I know I probably say this a lot, just a vibe, but it is so zero seven. They're so fucking good at that. The swelling symphonic nature of it. The, um, oh gosh, I don't know. It sounds like live instrumentation. You don't know if it's live instru- instrumentation or a drum machine or a keyboard. You don't care because you're in their little world, which is like this. And they occupy this unique space and like, whatever they call it, like chill hop or down tempo or whatever you want to call it. Um, Without this cool instrumentation, without the vibe, it's just like an R&B singer-songwriter song, and I'm not that interested in it. But because it's 07, because it's that, that has that sonic quality, I, I really dug it. Yeah, there's an orchestral interlude, which I really like. I like how the song rides out at the end. Um, lyrics, ly- lyrically, it's fine. You know, I don't think it needs to be anything great. It's 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 pretty vague, but like in the way Tank likes, where it's like, yeah, you can imagine there's, there's a breakup here, yeah. right? Yeah, there's a chick, there's yeah. a guy. Yeah. Um, I really dug it though. And, and I stopped listening to zero seven at a certain point. I think maybe because there were so many years in between records that I fell off and haven't paid any attention to them. So I don't have this record and I haven't, this was the first time I heard it. So this is a get for me for sure. EP technically. Oh, it's an EP. doesn't matter. I'll get it. I love it. Nice. And thus concludes the playlist challenge at the end of our first half of our first episode of the season. We hope you come back next week for part two of our discussion on country music yeah and in the meantime check us out uh, on all the socials where we'll post um, playlists of the songs we mentioned here um, and songs we liked and songs we didn't like um, and we also like to post just some other kind of random musical stuff we like from time to time um, so give us a follow give us a like um, if you can give us a rating on uh, apple Podcasts or any other uh, podcast service that helps other people find our podcast and we'd like to reach as many listeners as possible right because we want to keep this conversation going and most importantly, you now have the ability to download my world premiere debut. Amazing. And uh, and share it, distribute it. It's free, folks. It's my gift to you <laughs> it really, in the it, world. It's a gift it to really the world. It really is. It is. All right. 
So with that, we will call it a day and we'll see you back here next week. Yep. See you next time. Operator, won't you put me on through? I got to send my love down to Baton Rouge. Hurry up, won't you put her on the line?